This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Finding Your Bliss with host Judy Liebrach. Heard every Saturday at 1 p.m. on Zoomer Radio. Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to Finding Your Bliss, the show that helps you find and follow your bliss. I'm Judy Liebrack, and today I'm really delighted to welcome back someone we love on this show, and that is Peabody award-winning producer, director, editor, and camera person, Karen Shopsowitz. And before we meet her, let me tell you a little bit more about her. Karen Shopsowitz's work has been screened nationally and internationally. Her most recent credit is as director of Magic Shadows, Elwi Yost, a life in movies produced by Firestarter Productions and airing on TVO. She also co-produced and edited Mutter's Hands, a short documentary which has been on a festival run that includes Finn Atlantic International Film Festival, the Montreal Independent Film Festival, and the Middlebury New Filmmakers Festival in Vermont. Karen is also the producer, director, editor, and second camera person of The Other Side of the Hero, a documentary about first responders and PTSD co-produced with Enrico Colantoni and Diana Warm which also aired on CBC's documentary channel and has been screened all across North America at several festivals and events. Other documentary highlights include director, editor, and co-writer of My Father's Camera, produced by the National Film Board, and winner of the prestigious Peabody Award, as mentioned off the top. She's also been the series producer, director, co-editor of Canada's War in Colour, Yap Films for CBC and SRC, producer, director, and editor of Grand Parenting TVO. One Summer at Camp Winston, love that place, CBC documentary, and producer, director, writer, editor of the award-winning My Grandparents Had a Hotel, which has been screened globally. Karen's worked as a director and editor on dozens of productions ranging from standalone docs to documentary series for television fiction, including Angel Light starring Sheila McCarthy and screened at the Montreal World Film Festival. She's done many educational works and music videos. She has a Master's of Fine Arts in Film and Video from York University, great place, a Bachelor of Journalism Honors from Carleton University, and a Certificate in Feature Film Writing from UCLA Extension Writer Studio. She was also a participant in the Women in the Director's Chair Program 2012, and she is a professor and interim coordinator of the broadcasting program at Centennial College. She has a passion for indoor virtual cycling, and she also runs an incredibly well-written blog called grownupdiabetes.com. Karen Shop, so it's welcome back to Finding Your Bliss. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I really wanted you to come back on the show, Karen, because this is our first show back in the new year. Oh. It's January 2023. Happy New Year. And I think people are really looking for ways to work out and get in shape that are different and unique and fun. And you have this incredible passion for this indoor virtual cycling. What is it exactly? And what do you love about doing it? 
Okay, so it's really weird. And I have to preface it by saying that my husband got a trainer a few years ago. This is before the pandemic. And I would sit in my office and I would hear him on the trainer and he was so happy. And what a trainer is, is basically he took his road bike and it sits on this device and he would be pedaling away and in heaven. So I got very, very jealous. And I said to him, this isn't fair. Either I get a treadmill or something, but I need to deal with this. And this is like literally like a year before COVID. And so I inherited his, there's smart trainers and not so smart trainers. At the time, his was a not so smart trainer. So I had to adjust the bike. And now I have a smart trainer. So basically, it's a weird way thing to explain, but my bike is sitting the rear wheel is off and it's hooked up to a device that's connected by Bluetooth to my computer and it allows me to cycle all over the world. Wow. And I'm on my road bike. I don't have a fancy bike. It's not a Peloton or an indoor stationary bike. It's the bike I normally would ride outside. It's easy to swap it on and swap it off. And what the smart trailer does is as I'm on my computer and I'm going up a hill, it gets harder. The bike doesn't move, but it feels like I'm going up a hill. And it's quite amazing. The The two programs I use are Zwift and Ruby, and they're subscription-based, and they allow you to really cycle and improve your fitness and your cardio. So cool. So cool. So we've been talking about this fabulous virtual cycling and how you got into it, Karen. And I'm just wondering, like, can you paint me a picture of a really cool place you've been to on your virtual cycling journey? Like, what are you seeing? What is happening when you're doing this? So depending on the platform that I use, in Zwift, it's more like a game and they call it a game. And so it's like I can go and I can ride through Paris or France, but it's kind of cartoony, but not really cartoony. It's it's, it's nice. It's very, very good. <laughs> I mean, the best part about Zwift that I love is one of my best friends is living in Ottawa and she got a trainer. And so I can invite her and we'll wow. ride at like eight in the morning on a Monday And we're riding together and I can set it up that we stay together and it's just the two of us and we've ridden through France and through London and all over the world in this virtual space. And then we basically, because this is our time to catch up, we have our phones on and we talk all the way through it. And maybe we don't work quite so hard, but it's like (laughs) an amazing 45 minute visit. And then Ruby, their thing is that it's real roads. And so some of them are captured by people. And I don't know how they do it. It feels almost like Google Maps, but more intense. But like today, I rode somewhere in Hungary. And I've ridden in Japan, Vietnam at sunset. And and it's just, it takes you there. And it just puts you in that place. And now they have this thing, which I curse them, but I love them. (laughs) But I have these three virtual people that keep showing up called Peter, Emma, and William. (laughs) And they kill me. Because I keep up with them and they're always there no matter where I ride. Well, what sounds so amazing about this is it sounds like you can never get bored because sometimes riding can be boring, but you've got this whole virtual world in addition to the riding, which keeps your attention going and keeps you, you know, excited. And you're, you're such a people person. So you're communicating with people and seeing beautiful sights. What a brilliant, how can people get connected to this if they're interested in doing something similar? So I think what they should do is they should check out the websites for Zwift and for Ruby. And there's some other smart trainer apps out there as well and see what resonates with them. I did both because I did start to get a little bored with Zwift and then I didn't get bored. You know, it was kind of like Ruby is more me alone and just 
zen-like and out there, although now I've got those three people chasing me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get ahead of them. And then Swift is more, well, okay. And one thing with Swift that is really beautiful is they have all these clubs. So I'm in a teen type one diabetes club and talk about community. So I ride with a group of other people with type one diabetes. I'm also in another group called the herd, which is we describe ourselves as big and mighty and a little bit easier. And I've had things like one of the most beautiful moments of community on it was I had COVID in March and I was just getting back up on the bike. I was riding on a recovery ride because I thought, okay, well, that'll be really easy, no pressure. And I started lagging behind. And so you can message people. And so this person, I have no idea who they are, where they are, somewhere in the States, messaged me and said, hey, I see you're following behind. Do you want us to wait for you? And I was like, no, I just had COVID. I'm super slow. Don't worry about me. And so then a few others wrote, hey, no, K-Shops, my username. (laughs) We'll all ride with you. Let's wait for you. And I thought, this is unbelievable, totally virtual. I'll never meet these people in my life. But they create this incredible sense of community. Isn't that wonderful? And then you don't feel alone when you're in the middle of COVID or you're in the middle of, you know, this pandemic and you feel lonely. And I also love that you were mentioning to me during the break that you also do yoga online, which is so cool. Can you tell us about that? Because that's awesome. I should probably get out of the house sometimes, but no, I do. I do go out. (laughs) Um, This again started before COVID is I love, I'm a nerd and I'm a techno thing. If I can find out things to do online, it's much easier for me. So I use a site called glow.com, G-L-O.com. And I've been a member forever and they have hundreds, if not thousands of classes in Pilates, yoga, bar, all Mm. sorts of different fitness, meditation. And, you know, lately I've been a little bit slower and I had a problem with my shoulders. So I've been doing these 15 minute stretches and they're great. You know, you set up your computer on the floor in my office and I put out my mat and it's really nice. And during COVID, what was really cool is that they started recording classes in the instructor's homes. So it felt like you were in their living room with them. And you can also do them live. I did try with my friend Eileen to do a yoga class live with her where you can see the class and then the camera is on the two of us. But all you can see was like our toes or the top of our head. And I said, this isn't that much fun. I, I don't know what the view is, but trust me, it's not going to be good. So we, we decided we would just go at the same time and know we were both doing glow at the same time. That's very cool. Yeah. And there's a few other ones I I started with yoga today years ago, and it's another one of these beautiful platforms for yoga. Nice. Oh my gosh, this is so great because these are all things you can do without ever leaving your home, but you're getting relaxed. You're getting stress-free with the yoga and with the virtual. You're, it's like you're traveling all over the world and getting exercise and meeting people. It just sounds so incredible. So. What is your best tip for people who'd like to try this virtual cycling and what makes it such a creative and fantastic way to exercise in your own words? I would get like buy the best smart trainer that you can afford. There's a lot of stuff out there. The prices range from low to high and there's always sales. We got ours on sale. You know, you, you want to kind of do that and speak to somebody who knows how to set up the bike properly because that's really key. I'm lucky. I live with a guy who's a cyclist who's like, it's like having a mechanic on hand. But, <laughs> and then I would look, watch some of these programs, just watch them and see if it resonates with you. 
because mm-hmm. you can go on the Zwift site and watch a Zwift ride. You can go on the Ruby site and watch a Ruby ride and just see if you like it and start slow. Don't jump into it and be crazy because it will hurt. And <laughs> Because it is hard work. I mean, I do, you know, I come off the bike. I, I rode this morning for half an hour. I had a meeting at 10 and I thought, you know what? I'm up. It's eight. I'm going to hop on the bike. I'll just do 35 minutes and, and then get off it. But just be there and enjoy it and be present for it. Because that's the mm-hmm. big thing. Like I, I still like going outside. <laughs> I do enjoy walking. <laughs> I don't cycle outside anymore, yes. but I love walking and running and being outside in the fresh air. But this just transports me and I just, you know, I put on great music and just let myself enjoy it. You've always been athletic. Were you athletic even as a little kid? Were, like, were you the oh, person God, no. that was athletic or did you become more athletic as the years as went I by? Got older. As a little kid, really? I was the one who basically failed gym. I couldn't do a somersault. <laughs> I was horrible. I, I mean, a great fan. I thought, well, maybe I could be on the synchronized swimming team. I got kicked off. Like, I think I became more mascot. It was pathetic. I am not in any way really? athletic. Yeah, no. But I always liked fitness. I love cardio. It was hard for me to get into yoga. I had tried it a few times and just giggled too much and then finally <laughs> found the online platform a little bit easier because I could laugh. Nobody knows. It's fine. Nobody's <laughs> staring at me. But it was just like, that was the hardest part was being a, and I think also like, you know, I'm marrying a cyclist and a fitness guy, <laughs> you know, so I, I had no choice. Wow. Although he's a skier and I, I tried skiing once and I thought, no, that's really not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> I don't, you know, for me, cycling indoors, maybe cycling outside sometimes, running, walking. And when I say running, I mean like jogging slowly. <laughs> I'm not winning races, right? I do everything. I think you're about my speed. Yes, I think we could run together. We could run together. A lot of run walk happening. That's the thing. Like I was telling people, if I I could break the eight minute kilometer this year, it would be a victory. (laughs) That's fabulous. You have another passion and that is your blog, which is excellent, by the way, about being a type one diabetic called grownupdiabetes.com. Can you tell us what inspired you to start the blog and a little bit about it? Don't answer that just yet. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More from producer Karen Shopsowitz when we come back, back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by Create, Canada's leading fertility center for over 25 years. Create is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. Create is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, Create is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. Create has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? Create Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about Create Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. Hi, everyone. We are back, and this is Finding Your Bliss on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And I'm here with producer Karen Shopswitz. And I was just asking you, Karen, before the break, about what inspired you to start writing the blog, grownupdiabetes.com. Yeah, so basically, I got diagnosed with grown-up diabetes 
in my very early 30s and it was weird and I thought I was too old for that, but apparently it's quite common. A friend of mine who was in his 50s got diagnosed right after me. I had been thinking of doing it for a long time and I went for a blood test one day and the technician said, I, you know, I made a joke and I went, yeah, you know, 25 years with this, it's hell. And he said, oh yeah, I didn't think you were a type 2 diabetic. And then he went, oh, oh I shouldn't say that. And I thought, no, you really shouldn't say that because we have such in our a perception of type 1 versus type 2 and neither mm -hmm. are usually accurate. And that's when I realized mm -hmm. people were kind of thinking magically when I said I had diabetes, oh, type 2, right? And I'd be like, no, the goal is that you get old with diabetes, you continue to grow, and that maybe when I'm 80, yes. I'll still be a type 1 diabetes. <laughs> like, it doesn't change. And so that was something yes. that I realized a lot of people don't get it. And much of the mm -hmm. stuff that I saw about type 1 diabetes was for kids and teens. Mm -hmm. Like, I was following mm -hmm. bloggers and YouTubers who were 17 or 18-year-olds talking about wow. multiple injections and insulin pumps. And I thought, wait, nobody is talking to me <laughs> you know, middle-aged person yes. about insulin pumps and cute accessories and stickers and stuff. So it right. made sense to kind of try that. So have you found a community through this blog or people reaching out to you that are similar in age to you who are also type 1 diabetics and do you sort of have a community starting? Yeah, like, you know, when it's been, I've been I'm busy. So I've been a little slow. I realized with, you know, in order to become a very good blogger, you've got to blog constantly. I have an Instagram. It's at grown up diabetes. My numbers go up, they go down, they go up, they go down. But what I really love yeah. is yeah. strangers who will put a comment saying, wow, that's exactly like me. And that's what's really wow. cool is when wow. you get people who are older who are saying, yes, I understand. And it's interesting because I started it before COVID. And I started it in November 2019, which is Diabetes Awareness mm. Month. And that wow. month, there was a conference of all about type 1 diabetes that I went to. And there was also, if you can believe it, a social media conference about diabetes influencers. And wow. so I went to both of those. And even there, you know, I was going up to the various pump manufacturers and diabetes advocates and saying, I don't see me in your material. And it has gotten mm -hmm. better now. And I do see people my age and older in their material. And they were <laughs> all like, you're absolutely right. That's true. We do need to do that kind wow. of reach. So, you know, I mean, I try to keep it light. Sometimes it's a little more serious. You know, it, I do have something that's not going away. <laughs> and that was hard yeah. to kind of figure out that the only thing that's going to make it go away is if they do come up with a cure. And there is no cure for diabetes, mm -hmm. but there are ways to manage it. And that's what I kind of focus on is the positives. Right. Do you remember when you were diagnosed, like what that was all about? Like, do you remember, can you take us back to that day that you were oh. diagnosed? And I mean, that's a very, that's a, that is a very scary thing to have to live with. And what was it like when you were diagnosed and how have you combated it and how do you combat it every day? Well, when I was diagnosed, it was awful because, well, I mean, it was weird, but I had just come back from shooting a film in Poland and I had lost an immense amount of weight, like a huge amount of weight. Wow. And I was thirsty all the time. I mean, looking back, I was basically a poster child for every one of the symptoms that were there. I laughed because I just met my husband. I had horrible dysmorphia in terms of my body, because I, I still remember mm. going to buy a pair of jeans and being used to one size, like 31, and and then going in and the, the sales lady, I asked for a 31, and the woman was like, oh, why? 
what? Who? Are you buying this for someone else? And I was like, no, I'm buying it for me. And she said, you have a problem? And I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But I, it didn't occur to me. I just thought that all my fitness had finally come together. And when I went on my first date with my husband and I'm carrying a water bottle and he has a water bottle because he's really into fitness and I have a water bottle because I'm insatiably thirsty. So I had only just met him, wow. met him in May. I was diagnosed in July and... Um, it was shocking. I had, I was one of my friends' sister who has diabetes. She was worried about me, and another really good friend who's a family doctor was worried. And they were both kind of like, Are you going to go see a doctor? Are you going to do anything? And then I went finally to see a doctor, and she called me the next morning at 7 30 and said, Okay, here's what you got to do you've got to go to Mount Sinai Hospital now call your parents and let them know that you're going. I will meet you at the hospital. I've let them know you're coming. And I had like this unbelievably crazy blood sugar. And I, you know, called my then boyfriend, now husband and said, um, something weird's going on, but I'll call you later. And then my friend, the doctor came and met me at the hospital as well. And, you know, I remember I, my mom and dad, both my mom's, my grandfather, had diabetes type 2 and my dad's mom who I never met but she also had type 2 diabetes so I assumed it was going to be type 2 because I figured you know sure they both had it (laughs) why wouldn't I get it but it it wasn't and I I just remember thinking this is so strange I was in emergency and for about three Mm -hmm. days because it was also when a lot of the hospital beds were closed it was a weird time and I the only bizarre part about it is Picture me, I'm lying in the hospital. My big brother comes to see me and emerge. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to go on a canoe trip with him and his sons. And he looks at me lying there with like, you know, a drip and everything. And my poor boyfriend, Mark, is standing there and he looks at me and he goes, well, I guess you can't go on the canoe trip. And he looks at Mark and goes, well, I guess you're in. <laughs> and I thought, I hope you all love each other. <laughs> Because so that was cool, you know, with the whatever fire wow. trial by fire for my husband who found out he loved canoe oh. trips and loves my family <laughs> and me sitting back in the hospital room while oh. they're off you know, But yeah, anyway, and then the hardest part of dealing with any kind of chronic illness is that you leave the hospital and you think you're better, but then you realize, no, this is life. Wow. And and I remember reading about three months before I was diagnosed, there was a trial done and Toronto was one of the centers. Toronto is a great center for diabetes education. I mean, considering insulin was discovered here, it's a pretty big place. And I'd read about this DCCT, this uh, multiple injection trial, where before that people Mm -hmm. were often treated with two injections of insulin of a a long-acting insulin, well, long-acting insulin throughout the day. I'd have to check the science for you. Mm -hmm. But this had come up with the idea that people with diabetes with type 1 could inject four multiple injections. And so I went right away on insulin at breakfast, insulin at lunch, insulin at dinner, and then a long-acting insulin overnight. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. And, wow. and it was needles. And this is how the technology has changed. I spent maybe seven or eight years on needles. And then I got an insulin pump, which is basically like wearing your pancreas connected by a tube. And now I can't show you because it's on my stomach, but I wear these pods and I control it with this, with a little controller. Wow. So So much better than what you were doing before. Oh, I at the end, before I went on the pumps, 
And before I went on my first pump, I was up to five needles a day. And when I, I said to my doctor, you know, having to take a needle at 11 o'clock in the morning and no leeway for long-acting insulin, I'd be on a film shoot, I'd be talking to people, and I'll be like, excuse me, <laughs> I'm giving myself a shot. So the pump was life-changing, and especially with exercise, wow. because it allows me to exercise really freely and just adjust my insulin levels. That's incredible. What are other things, or is there any other major message you want to impart to people to know about what this is like for you and what they can do if they if they have this? Well, years ago, I, somebody asked me, I'm also deathly allergic to fish. And somebody once asked me, if I could give up diabetes or the fish allergy, what would I pick? And I said, the fish allergy. <laughs> because I'm a vegetarian, yeah. but the fish allergy, I can't control. And the diabetes, <laughs> yeah, some days I have like bad days, like everybody else where I'm like, oh, I hate this diabetes. It's so stupid. I mean, yesterday I went to the closet to grab something and I had my pump on my arm and it came flying off and I was like, ah. oh. you know? <laughs> so I mean, those days you're, and it doesn't hurt. It was just like, oh, that's a waste of a pump. Oh. But you deal with it. It's what you have. And I I like my diabetes community. Sure, I'd be much happier yeah. if I didn't have diabetes. That would have been good. But yeah. it's something that you live with. And I just try to maintain a really good yeah. attitude about it. And also, I'm very excited about the way the technology continues to change. Like, I have yes. a drawer full of old diabetes technology. And, you know, now I wear something called a Dexcom, which is a constant glucose monitor. So I see my number on my phone. I see it on my Apple Watch. Wow. Yes, okay. And Amazing. that's great. And I know yeah. that there's some pumps that talk to the Dexcom. That's continuing to evolve. So I'm hoping that within the next three, four years, everything just keeps getting better and better and better in terms of management. And it's not going away, but I know how to handle it. I know how to, mm -hmm. I know how to take care of it. You just have the best attitude. You really, really do. And I want to talk about how we've been sort of connecting in the last couple of years as interim coordinator at Centennial. One of our favorite team members ever at Finding Your Bliss was one of your beloved students, Haley Allegia, who's been a big part of our program. What makes for a phenomenal student at Centennial Film and Television School? I'm really blessed. I've been teaching there about, I don't know, maybe seven or eight years. And it's a, it's a great broadcasting program. It encompasses everything, radio, television, film, social media, digital media, all this kind of stuff. And somebody like Haley was amazing. And you're going to have another great intern. Yes. These are people with a lot of enthusiasm and openness to learn. A lot of our typical students come in with this kind of like, I think I want to do film, but I think I might do TV. I don't really know. So they get to try everything. And I, you know, I work yes. with amazing faculty who all have like these professional backgrounds in these areas. So by the time they've gone through their three years, they've learned documentary, they've learned narrative film, they've worked in a TV studio, they've learned radio, they've done some podcasting, they've understood digital media and gotten a really good appreciation for all those areas. And plus, I mean, I teach, what I teach there is editing and um, a course that prepares them for their internship. So it's really good. It's really, really fun. And I teach documentary filmmaking. It's so exciting. And I know uh, we've just hired Jess. Congratulations, Jess, <laughs> who's going to be joining our team as associate producer in 2023 in this uh, month of January that we're in right now. So that's really exciting stuff. 
You've done so many incredible films and documentaries. And I'm thinking now, most recently, the LWO doc and just so many incredible things. Is there a film or a doc that you're passionate about doing that's on your wish list to create and produce mm-hmm. and make happen? Oh, God, yes, of course. <laughs> I always have something trying to do. I mean, I know there's one that's been bugging me forever. I realize that behind me, it's not shameless self-promotion, but I have a poster for my father's camera, which was all about amateur film. I still have something I want to do with amateur film, and I just have a passion for that. And there's been something I've been noodling on for years that will one day hit the surface. It's a hybrid between doc and narrative. You know, I was, my dad shot film from the time he was 16. Wow. He went through 16 millimeter and Super 8 and then it's kind of stopped in the 70s. But I'm left with boxes full of 16 millimeter and Super 8. And there's stuff I still want to do with a lot of that material. Wow, that's so cool. That's really, really very cool. I also don't know if everyone realizes that your family was the original owner of Shopsies, Delicatessen. What was it like growing up as a family member of this famous Shopsies? And did you meet celebrities there? Like, was it the coolest? Well, I was telling somebody today that it's really bizarre, but I met them like for a second, but my brother had a pen pal relationship with one of the Three Stooges. Um <laughs> oh, Which is, this, it was school, one, of my, one of my colleagues would just look at me like, Really? That's weird. Um, I mean, I was little. My dad got out of the business for a while, and then he went back to manage the restaurant when they were on Front Street across from the O'Keefe Center. So when I graduated from journalism school, you know, that was my gig. I was a waitress at night there, and we would get some celebrities, and it was a lot of fun, and it was very cool. I mean, I think the best one I ever had was James Garner, if you remember him. He wow. was in, yeah. So they were doing a film with Mary Tyler Moore, who also, you know, years before I was diabetic, she was kind of like a diabetes celebrity because she had type one diabetes, but they filmed a film at Shopsies and I got to play, I was a waitress playing a waitress. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yes. That was kind of neat. What I, I do laugh at is the fact that I have been vegetarian for 30 years. And I, I used to say to my dad, I'm really sorry. I feel like such a rebel, but. <laughs> And it wasn't, it was nothing to do with what I grew up with, but I just, yeah. (laughs) You had a thing, you had a a thing. I made a move that way, yeah. (laughs) I get it, I get it. What is bliss these days for Karen Shopsowitz? I get a lot of joy out of teaching. I really, really do. I have to say that that's always been great. I went to summer camp way longer than most people do. You know, I retired from summer camp seven years ago. (laughs) And I like seeing kids get excited about film and being able to do it now with people who are in their teens and 20s and 30s. We get older students as well. It's really, really cool. So that's a great thing. I also, I got to say, being able to hop on the bike and ride through a sunset in Vietnam from my living room is pretty cool. That's a that's a nice thing. And just, you know, trying to figure out ways to balance and trying to figure out how to get there is the hardest part, but I'm, I'm working on it. What is your major goal or intention for 2023? I think it's balance. Mm -hmm. But when I say balance, though, I feel like it's because I really enjoy doing things like right now I'm editing a project and doing some other stuff and developing things. I love being busy. That for me is my balance. And I love learning. So anything that I can do in the next year that challenges me or forces me to learn something new is for me bliss. 
so fabulous. What is the best way for people to contact you and connect with you on social media? They can check out grownupdiabetes.com or the Instagram at grownupdiabetes. And that's probably the best way. And they can check out awesome. my website, newbywits.com. Well, I think you're a real bliss person. You know that. I'm a huge fan and it's just always delightful to have you here. So I want to wish you a happy and healthy new year. And thank you so much. It was just delightful having you here again. No, same to you. Thanks, Judy. It's always great to talk to you. You too. Thank you and happy new year. We're going to go on a short commercial break. More with Finding Your Bliss when we come back. Back in a moment. Finding Your Bliss is brought to you by CREATE, Canada's leading fertility centre for over 25 years. CREATE is here for anyone struggling with infertility or in need of assisted reproductive technology to have children. CREATE is about cutting-edge science from highly skilled doctors. In unprecedented times like these, CREATE is about ensuring the safety of all patients and staff. CREATE has made important changes to protect you by ensuring social distancing, wearing masks, as well as screening before entering. So what about the bundle of joy that you've been hoping would come into your family? CREATE Fertility Center is here for you. Visit createivf.com to keep up with the latest changes and learn about CREATE Fertility Center's comprehensive care for every fertility journey. Keep safe and healthy during these challenging days, remembering that life is about moments that we create together. We are back and this is Finding Your Bliss on Sumer Radio, AM 740, FM 96.7. And we're now joined by Victoria Laurent Fabish. Victoria Laurent Fabish is a registered psychotherapist, a legacy professional with over 25 years of experience. And her many influences include Eastern philosophies, person-centered therapy, Reiki, visualization, polarity therapy, meditation, as well as modern and traditional psychotherapy. She is a relationship expert, life coach, author of two books, and an award-winning and very inspirational, dynamic keynote speaker. She's been on the program many times, and she is literally one of our first guests back on our premiere show of this new year. So Victoria Lorian Davis, welcome back to Finding Your Place, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, and I'm honored and so happy to be back with you, lovely one. You are a lovely one, and thank you for always being calm, patient, Mm. and just a kind, good human being on this planet. Mm. I have to start by asking you something that's been affecting all of us, and that is the really tragic suicide of Stephen Laurel Twitch, boss. On your Instagram, when you first heard about it, you wrote, and I quote, this just punched me and so many I know in the gut. And you also went on to say that many of your sessions have been occupied with this very topic. Since as you say, this gem of a human being decided to end it. And you write, these kinds of events, because they're so unexpected, really pack a trauma punch. Can you speak to why all of us are having such a hard time accepting that someone seemingly as joyful, kind, well-liked, and outward-focused could end what seemed like a charmed life? Well, you know, I have to say that as a world, we became re-educated 
as the possibility of your forward-facing energy was not actually what was reflecting on the inside with Bourdain and with Robin Williams, Kate Spade, that whole litany of people that, that took their life. And then, you know, with Twitch, he was particularly difficult for a lot of us because of the fact that he presented such an inspiration over the pandemic through social media of dancing and inspiring us to stay positive in the face of some really rough times that we all were going through. Mm-hmm. And here's what I know for sure is I am forever changed. I always am suspicious of people that are overly calm and positive and all of this stuff. I call it kind of toxic positivity because I do believe that the shame of mental illness, the shame of not getting it right, the shame of perfectionism Mm -hmm. is a spiral that's so difficult to climb out of, Mm -hmm. especially with those who are in the media. Mm -hmm. It's just, I understand it. I'm a person that's out there and I relate. I'm an extrovert and all this stuff, but I have my dark times that I can most certainly need to and have done a lot of honest speaking about it so people don't feel so alone. But the reality is, is that it's all about shame, Judy. It's all about shame. One of the things you talked about is, you know, reach out for help, ask for help, yeah. don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. But I guess what I'm wondering is if your mind is so troubled with mental right. illness that you actually can't see clearly, what do you say to people who are feeling this way? If the chemicals in their brains have already started a war against them, how can they see clearly that? Yeah, no, it's tough. No, I do not want to Pollyannify this. I don't want to make this rose color. It's not easy. And I call it depression head. Depression head makes you see things totally different from what they are. You see a black cloud, you see impossibility, you see no options. And so I'm not BSing. Reaching out is what they have to do because really we cannot make people in any way, shape or form, get into therapy. People Mm got to want it. People Mm got to decide they want to save themselves. Mm -hmm. We can't save them. I want to be able to, believe me, Judy, I want to be able to reach in through my Zoom in life, whatever, and tell people, get help, reach out, you're not alone. But people got to want it too. Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. got to want it too. And I don't think Twitch wanted it somehow. I feel so sad to say this, but he had so much to live for. He had all of the seemingly charmed life and that was not doing it for him. I think you, you've touched on this, that what was so disturbing about this is, okay, so on the one hand, he's doing these uplifting dances during yeah. the pandemic with his wife. But unlike Robin Williams and Anthony Bourdain, the despair in Twitch was hidden. Yeah. And often this is the case in the most illuminated of people. Yeah. So what advice do you have for people who are undergoing depression and also for their caregivers who are looking out for them? What are the signs that we should be looking for? What we miss here? Well, listen, Judy, we're not looking at textbook depression where your person is sleeping all day mm-hmm. and they're disheveled and they're, you know, we're not looking for any of that. These mm-hmm. are high functioning individuals mm-hmm. that are high functioning in their appearance and in their the way they are facing forward in life. So there is no magic here. One mm-hmm. question I will make sure people ask themselves and others, mm-hmm. ask someone that is super, super positive all the time, the question, how are you really doing? Mm -hmm. How's it really going? Mm -hmm. You know, because I really want to know your answer. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be right here for you to answer me. That's one. Mm -hmm. The other thing is if you do suspect someone is doing not well, the direct question of 
are you considering taking your life as hard as a question as that might be? Actually, there are some statistics around people less likely to take their life if they're asked that directly. Hmm. So two possibilities for people, the very high functioning person you would never suspect to stop, look in their eyes and go, how's it going? And I really want to know your answer. I I really do. One, two, if you think that they're, uh, ask that direct question. Ask that direct question. That direct question. Yeah. Yeah. It's just tragic stuff. And I know this story is going to unfold and we're going to learn more. And, but I think we can do better. I think we can be kinder. We're not there yet. You know, we, we need to invest our time and energy and resources and money into mental health in the biggest oh, yeah. way possible. Oh, yeah. More than anything, money into mental health services and easily available, not these year long waiting lists for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not everyone has the money to pay for a psychotherapist. So that's why I put all my information out as much as possible. And I give a lot of tips because a lot of people can't afford a therapist, right? Of course. Of course. So we've all been through so much during the pandemic. We've returned a little more to normalcy of late. But I feel like ever since COVID, we're always sort of looking over our shoulder, trying to avoid this germ and avoid that minefield. What is your advice to people just on how to relax and enjoy life again? Well, you know, it's just so trite, but connect with nature and walk. If you can't get to a gym, just walk. Walk and connect with nature. Dance. But I mean, you know, Twitch danced all the time and he lived in beautiful weather. It's like, it's not the magic bullet either. But if you're going to ask me if there's any one thing that people can do for free for themselves is connect in nature, just go to a park, walk as much as you possibly can, listen to inspiring podcasts, inspiring people, dance. Dancing and music are absolutely scientifically proven to give us the appropriate amount of serotonin, dopamine, and some endorphins, which are those hormones that are so important. Now, I just want to caution everyone with dopamine seeking. You know, it's the feel-good pleasure hormone, and it'll poop out in you. So don't only do endorphin, 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 endorphin. That's just addiction running rife. Do more serotonin-oriented things, which are nature, music, communing with your friends, meditating, breathing, cooking, these types of things. And then obviously reach out to people. So yeah, reach out though. Also, you wrote a wonderful book called Connecting. So connect, yeah. and find ways to connect. And if that's right, in person, you know, even on Zoom, at, you know, like or a phone or, call or a phone call. Absolutely. And you also say a really important skill is learning how to listen effectively. Yeah. And you say it's important to know how to listen in a non-destructive way to loved ones who are in pain. Yeah. What is the best way to achieve this? Okay. So listen, here's the thing. Well, listen, here's <laughs> the thing. A lot of people don't know how to listen. Okay. And then they do damage to the person that's in pain trying to be heard. Mm -hmm. So make sure that if you're offering yourself up as an ear to listen to someone that you yourself are emotionally fit enough and well enough and patient enough and not distracted enough. You know, we're very distractible beings. So I focus, look in the eye and try to not take your gaze out of that person that is speaking. It can create a tremendous amount of well-being for the person that is speaking. Keep your gaze on them, one. Number two, don't try and find a solution right away to the problem that's being presented. Believe it or not, that's going to cause more pain or more shame. I can't find my own solutions. You know, that kind of shame. Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I depend on it. It's like you want to inspire people to find their own solutions and then cheerlead them when they find it. Don't find it for them. 
Now, people might ask for help and say, you know, I need you to just give me a solution. Resist the urge to give them the answers. Just cheerlead the notion and encourage the notion that they can find their own answers, Mm -hmm. that they have the ability and the resources within to find their own answers and that they're not alone while they're finding their own answers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you cannot be there for them, don't feel shame and poorly about yourself. Be honest about yourself, but give what you can and then encourage the person, if you can't give them, you know, that undivided attention to help them find someone like a therapist or a different resource for them to feel that level of undivided herdness, herdness. That's so wonderful. You and I have both talked, Victoria, before about how we don't believe in the word New Year's resolutions, but we think of this time as a great time to create new intentions and goals. And you said, allow the new transition to achieve this to be slow, easy, and not push into it. Just let it flow by having a strong, aspirational mindset. What did you mean by this? I mean, people are like, oh, you know, in the new year, I'm going to, you know, and I'm going to do that. It's too punitive. It's too regiment. It's too difficult for your system. Mm-hmm. I say, take it much slower. Slow is your best friend when it comes to change. You know, mm-hmm. change that lasts is glacial. It's slow, but permanent. So, and people get impatient with themselves. So I'm always about be patient with yourself, be loving with yourself and have as an aspiration visualize yourself and that takes time experiencing your being your full being in that new reality Mm -hmm. and don't punish or shame yourself if you're not doing it fast Mm -hmm. slow down and banish shame Mm -hmm. self-compassion with self-accountability are a great opposite to you know just feeling sorry for yourself and you know it's like Mm self-compassion self-accountability Beautiful. Beautiful. You have so many wonderful tools in your toolbox. One of them is affirmations and you say they're so powerful. And I think that Stuart Smiley on Saturday Night Live wrecked it for people in a way. I know. Making them think that affirmations are like a parody and something like that. In fact, they really work. You used one at the beginning of this show when we were having some technical difficulties. So I love when you say how powerful it is to say the phrase, show me how good it can be, which you did. And it was yes, And it just changes the energy of the moment real quick. Totally. Or thank you universe for showing me that this issue is already solved. These are game changer affirmations. Can you elaborate on this? So I talk about detect, disrupt and replace. Mm -hmm. So detect is detect when you're in a negative spiral, when you're in a toxic, self-loathing shame spiral detect it you have to name it so oh i'm in that and then don't shame yourself for being in that just be in that go okay gotcha and then disrupt it disrupting is the key transformational opportunity where you go i'm in it i have no control over it s is going down don't like it so let's go show me how good it can be Mm -hmm. it just disrupted show me how good it can be And then bring in gratitude. Universe, thank you so much for showing me that this issue is already solved. Now, Mm -hmm. you don't have to believe that. What you're doing is you're speaking vibrational words of intention. And I do it, like religiously I do it. And then replace it with, if you're finding trouble, just visualize yourself happy. Visualize yourself joyful. You may not know how you're going to get joyful, but just everyone can see an image of themselves happy. So force that image into your brain. Infuse that image in... Pour it into your brain and go, <laughs> see yourself like 
on a mountain, rejoicing in life, feeling grateful, even if you can't entirely feel that, just infuse that into your being. It's great. So I've noticed that you've been looking great, that you've been looking fantastic, and health and wellness are at an all-time high. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with intermittent fasting? Because this is January 2023. We all need to get into shape and be healthy and be our best versions of ourselves. How are you doing it? Okay, so nothing like a dodgy blood test to kick your butt, right? So my blood sugars were pre-diabetic, my cholesterol, even though I work out a lot and I'm not a crazy, you know, I don't eat junk food. I'm a very healthy person, but you know, it runs in my family. And also the cholesterol was high as well as the blood sugar. And, you know, my doctor's like, you know, and I'm like, look it, hang on, give me six months. So I went on a journey to find out following great woman named Dr. Mindy Pels, fast like a girl, Dr. Jason Fung. He's a Toronto-based nephrologist that understands that reversing blood sugar issues through the power of fasting and feasting and intermittent fasting. So I started to understand this and I started to do it. Started very slowly. It's been seven months, started very slowly, 16 hours, 18 hours. I average about 20 hour days. I find it really easy. I throw in the odd 24 hour fast. And here's the story that's most exciting about it all. I just got all my blood tests last week. I am normal blood sugar. I am normal triglycerides, more than normal, she said, like actually low triglycerides. And they were always ridiculously high. My uh, blood fats, the the cholesterols, the good one is doing even better. And the bad one is really down, down, down. She's like, let's test again in six months. No pills necessary, nothing. You are great. You are golden. Wow. She said, you know, wow. And I was like, me too. Wow. Judy. I have never been able to lose weight in my life. I've only gained weight or maintained weight in my entire life. This is the first time I've been able to, without deprivation, because when you feast, it's not about necessarily calorie restriction, although you're not going crazy, because you can't really eat tons in that small. It's time restriction. Right. Right. So when we want to have some pasta or when we want to have something a bit more, you know, you just give your body a good chunk of time to recover. Wow. So it really wow. is quite wonderful. But can you go back to the 20 hours and what would that look like? Can, can you give us? So a- I, for example, I'll finish up at around quarter to eight, eight o'clock, and then I will not eat again till about four, four thirty. And I'm working all day with clients while and I'm drinking water and I'll have some black coffee and it's just no worries. I don't feel hungry anymore. It's so bizarre. I used to think, oh, I got to make sure I get my breakfast in. I got to make sure I get my snack in. Okay. It's like well, our bodies are designed to feast and fast. Our forefathers would go and, you know, I don't know, slay a bison and fast before that because they were starving. And then everybody would feast on the bison, right? So my point is, that's what our bodies, and then, you know, I will say this word that everybody should Google, autophagy, A-U-T-O-P-H-A-G-Y, autophagy. This is your body healing itself. It's basically feeding on the bad cells and giving your reproductive and your digestive and your entire endocrine system an opportunity to heal itself. Nice. I'm 57 and I've never, ever felt this good. Wow. Yeah. I love this. Well, I'm, I'm saying cheers to you. I'm drinking a juice cleanse drink right now. Uh So that's what I've been doing is the intermittent fasting is a wonderful addition, but I've been doing lots of juice cleanses and you look amazing. You look amazing. I hope you feel amazing. Thank you so much. Starting to thank you. Good, good. Another wonderful new year's feeling good boost that you talk about Victoria is how important it is to find your self culture and how that never gets old. 
yeah. which is inspiring people to live life on their own terms. Can you tell us more? Listen, the loudest voice in your head needs to be yours. Okay. Not your mother's, not your father's, not your family's, not anybody's, not your bosses, not your partners. You have got, we, not you, we, one, us have yeah. got to always be 100% checking into these two questions. Write them down. What do I want? What do I feel? And actually the third one, what do I need? Because if it's like, what do they need? What do they want? Did I feel bad? Did they, did I make, no, but what do I, you always have the right to self-protect, to draw boundaries, to say no, to take yourself out of a situation, no matter what, that doesn't feel good. You have the right. Mm-hmm. Understand that. Brilliant. Don't compromise that, you know? Brilliant. So it's self-culture, not country culture, not family culture, not self-culture. Wow. A collection of personalized self-care. Any other final tips for 2023 on really how to start this year off with a bang? Okay. I don't want you to start the year off with a bang. I want you to start this year off with a whispering of self-love and a whispering of self-compassion because we've been through a lot over the last number of years. So take care of self, work out, emotional fitness, physical fitness, spiritual fitness, communication fitness, all of it work on you because that's not selfish or narcissistic. When you work on you, you fill you, and then you have the vitality to give to others. And what does the planet need? Needs us to be generous and good to others. Yes, and kind. Kind, we can never be kind enough. What is bliss these days for Victoria, Lori, and Babish? I'll tell you what it is. We're waiting for our house to close and because it, it's in construction. It's a new build. And so we just moved in temporarily to the beaches. And so you know what my bliss is? Walking by the waterfront. Mm. And just taking in, even when it's freezing cold, walking near water and nature is blissful and healing. It's that's my bliss. I love that. I will always I endeavor that. to find water and nature. That's so wonderful. What is the best way for people to contact you, Victoria, and connect with you on social media? So go to my website, visualizationworks.com. You can find everything there, videos, my YouTube. Come to TikTok. I do a lot of interesting, fun, educational, but really inspirational and tips, psychological tips. Find me on Instagram too, Victoria Lorian Fabish. Just come find me. I'm there. I'm out there for you. They're they're so short. They're they're just like a couple of minutes or a minute yeah. long. And they're they're just like a feeling good bursts yeah. of advice and and they help you just create a wonderful intention for your day. Like I look at it all the time oh, on good. TikTok and on Instagram. I just think you're amazing. I think you rock. I want to thank you so much for being on our first show back, Victoria. Happy 23. Happy 2023 to you. Happy, healthy, and continued success. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Each week we spotlight someone fabulous like Victoria on this show. So if you're an author, artist, yoga, meditation, or mindfulness expert, or really anybody who has found and is following their bliss, we would love to hear from you. As you know, we also feature singers on this program. So if you're a singer, songwriter, or musician, reach out to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. Also, what did you love about today's show? We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at fyb at findingyourbliss.com. I'm also a life coach. If I can help you in any way, let me know. You can reach out and contact me at findingyourbliss.com slash coaching. I'm also on Insight Timer, the number one free meditation app. And of course, you can always follow us on Instagram at The Bliss Minute or on Facebook, The Bliss Minute. 
I would like to thank our wonderful guests, Karen Shopswitz and Victoria Laurent Fabish for being on the show today. Also, a big thank you to Mag Ruffman, Siobhan Kiley, producer Nayira Amani, associate producer Jess Carrero, audio engineer Juliana Yanuciello, senior editor Lauren Kaminsky, video editor Sierra Brown Rodriguez, audio producer Faz Kazi, and everyone here at Zoomer. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, the Create Fertility Center. For everyone here, I'm Judy Lee Brack, wishing you all a very happy new year and reminding you all to take one step closer to finding your bliss. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.